We are thrilled to announce that The Style That Binds Us has launched a mini magazine. Each month, you'll discover brands and products that we cannot get enough of, as well as what to watch, do, see, restaurants and cocktail bars to try, our favorite spots for facials, massages, spas, and so much more. We hope you enjoy the inaugural issue of our mini magazine, and we will include a link to our mini magazine in the show notes. Hello, everyone. We are excited to welcome Geralt Storé to the Style That Binds Us podcast today. Geralt is an illustrator, writer, photographer, and most recently, entrepreneur after launching her clean, made-in-France skincare brand, Doré. We are excited to speak with Geralt about her career, the fashion industry, her skincare brand, and more. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is could be a long question <laughs> and answer, but basically you've had such a fabulous career so far. Well, yeah. We, I mean, you have been a style blogger. You've moved from France to New York and then to L.A. and now to London. You've been a photographer, an illustrator, a writer, yeah. anything. Yes. I, I'm, I'm quite restless and I think I'm coming to terms with that. And uh, I, I'm really I'm trying to settle down and choose one thing. And I think at the end, it will be writing. <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, craft. Yeah. I, I, uh, it was all really an accident. Um, and a story of a woman who had so much to say, but just didn't know anything. I, I was born in Corsica, as you said, and I, I'm the daughter of two immigrant parents who just were, you know, the, the classical story of just trying to make it, which they kind of did. So it gave me, you know, the luxury of being able to um, pursue some studies, even though I was quite terrible at it because I didn't know what I want. I think one thing that defines me is that I don't really, it took me a long time to understand what I wanted. It's just that on the way I met with success. So that's the interesting part. I think I could have also just stayed in the shadows and you've never <laughs> talked to me, <laughs> but uh, something happened. And, and I think part of it, um, cause I started, so I was a student and I didn't know what to do. And by the time I was 27, and I think that's what people call the Saturn return or something, I decided, okay, I'm going to take the risk of my life and I'm going to become an illustrator. I had no art, you know, credentials, no network, nothing. And I was completely unaware of all that it takes to become a successful illustrator and to make something out of yourself in this kind of industry. I just went blind and just like, did everything I could, uh, you know, I started without money. My parents never subsidized anything. So I always had to work on the side. It was very tricky, but at some point, because it was so tricky, because I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And because I was getting, you know, broke uh, to a point of no return, I decided, okay, well, the internet is here and I'm not going to go into how I got into the internet because this is interesting, but it would be another mm -hmm. hour. And 
it was here and in France, it's interesting because people took upon it very early. They started having these kind of blogs, you know, I mean, what, what a blog was at the beginning, which was basically talking about your life in ways that were quite personal. Um, when I started, you wouldn't upload so many photos. It was heavy and complicated. And people didn't even, we didn't have the, you know, the smartphones we have today. So any photos would have to be through processed through a camera and then edited and all the rest of it. So it was right at the beginning and I started like everyone else. Um, I mean, actually I started publishing some of my illustrations online thinking, well, at least they are going out somewhere and at least I'm going to get feedback from people who are not in the industry and who can be brutal with me because that was the only way for me to learn how to be better. And so that's how I started. And I met success right away. Um, I don't really know what happened. I really am a nobody. And suddenly people loved my drawings, which were a little bit fashion, but it's not what I intended to do. It's just that all my culture of reading magazines for so many years were just showing up in all my drawings. And that was very funny like that because, you know, sometimes you just try to do something and you think you're going to be, because in the beginning, I thought I would be an illustrator for uh, children's books, but it was fashion who kind of met me on the way. And so I started doing that and uh, also along, you know, writing stories of my life and met the success and people started talking about me and the press started talking about my work and I couldn't believe what was happening to me, but I saw something, I saw an opportunity. And even though I was very shy at that time and had no idea about what to do in the world and had very old school ways and, you know, very French, very like, who do you think you are type of thing. I took my chance and I moved to Paris uh, with the little money I had left. And that's when things really started to explode for me and um, started going to Fashion Week, uh, being invited to shows, which didn't happen right away. I think it's important to say that, you know, I sneaked in a few fashion shows in the beginning and slowly made a name and quite a name. And that's that's probably where you started hearing about me. I didn't know that, but once I made it, I also at some point after I served on a giant wave of success, decided this wasn't my true calling, what I was doing, and changed everything and started over again. Mm. Right. That is so fascinating. And we adore your illustrations. I had the calendar and Delia has a <sighs> a print of yours on the wall in her apartment now. One of the oh, ones wow, about thank you. New York and maybe one about Paris too. I'm not sure. So oh, you are so talented. You really you very much. So you got into the fashion industry part of things. And then at some point you realized maybe that's not where you wanted to dwell Yeah, well, the the fashion industry part, it's a a huge part of my story. So I don't know if you'd like to go into this since, you know, your podcast is the style of mine. But um, yeah, it was fabulous years at the same time as very difficult ones. Um, You know, I think the story of everyone's life is finding one's boundaries and I didn't know mine at all, as I said, and I probably will repeat through these interviews. 
I really didn't know who I was and what was the world. And now here I was finding myself front row at fashion shows and on the cover of magazines and living in New York and making a ton of money and being a trailblazer or whatever I was called. Mm-hmm. And th- on, on, there was that part, the, the light, if, you, if you'd like, like, you know, the, the, the beauty of it. And then there was a darkness, which was that I was feeling really uncomfortable in the world of fashion on a personal level. I uh, never felt quite at my place. I never felt quite fashionable enough, quite cool enough. Mm-hmm. I felt, I think now that I look back at it, it's much more subtle than what I used to think. I used to think I don't belong. Mm-hmm. And now I realize that actually fashion is a world of people who want to become, and there is a lot of anxiety floating around and a lot of, you know, looking at each other. And I don't think the anxiety I was feeling was because of me. I think it was just the vibe, you know, there is a lot of neediness. There is a lot of, you know, look at me. There is a lot of, um, insecurity. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. So there is a lot of insecurity and, so it's not often, you know, often it's described as mean or, and yes, sometimes it can be the result of the insecurity, but mostly there is a sense of, yeah, anxiety of, of, of insecurity of all these things. And I felt it really strongly. And I don't know why I can't, I can't explain that, but it definitely touched me more than it touched other friends because I remember asking them, I was like, how do you do it? How do you spend your life on the benches of fashion shows and everybody's looking and judging you and, and, and all these things. And they're like, Oh, well, that's just the price to pay for having, you know, this fantastic job. And to me, it was, I realized it took me years, but at one, one point I realized, well, the price for me is too high. And also, I mean, it was not just that it was also, you know, the constant traveling. Um, so it was part of it was just the lifestyle wasn't working for me. And I think that in a way, if you can't take the lifestyle, you can't really keep going at this life. I mean, I could have done something in fashion that was completely personal, but I think also something that I discovered and make me feel like almost that I, I sh- you know, I shouldn't say it, but to me, the, the beautiful years were, were the ones of discovery where I was challenging the narrative and, and kind of this, um, how do you say outsider? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I became this insider with so much power and so much to lose, I didn't find it as exciting to me because I think at the core of my, talents or whatever you want to say is, is, is my love for storytelling mm-hmm. and telling the story of, of power and access and all that was not so interesting to me. So there was, and I, of course, at, the, at that time, I couldn't put any words on what was going on. I was just like, I don't feel good. It doesn't feel good. And, and one day, um, after agonizing for a few years, trying to think, what am I going to do? You know, if I leave this beautiful platform that is the industry of fashion, is anybody going to be interested in anything I have to say? Uh, and then it was my body who told me, okay, you don't have a choice. Actually, it's time to let go because I basically went through a, a terrible burnout and I would get panic attacks if I was at fashion shows and um, I just couldn't keep going. 
Well, I'm so glad that you're talking about this because I think that people that may not have seen you before, you are stunningly beautiful. You really, oh. you are, you are, you're also very humble, you. but if you felt that way, then, you know, all the millions of people that feel that way can know that if even Garon Store felt that way, you know, that's a very normal thing. And, you know, if you don't take care of your body now, you're going to take care of it at some point. It's going to tell you it's not going to do this anymore. And it's yeah. like that's what happened to you. You had to find a different place mm-hmm. to be. I creative. did. Yeah. yeah. But the funny thing is that I think it's also important to point out that, you know, so we're here talking and you present me as this kind of, you know, kind of Renaissance woman doing everything. Um, and that's great. I love, I love to hear that. But the truth is that there are a lot of moments of nothing when you drop and, and people, m- many of us now will go through moments like that. When you drop something that, you know, brought you anything like whether it's money or, or fame, or I don't know, some sense of security or success, you have to be okay with the fact that there might be a moment of nothing right after, and that this moment might take a while and people won't necessarily see it and nobody really talks about it, but there is that. And I think it's, it's a, it's an important thing to, to tell people who are listening, it's like not everything is just like jumping from one great idea to the next. There is a lot of, you know, failures or just, or just moments of where you're, you know, in kind of nothingness. Right. Trying things to see what, what does make it. What are the things? Resting maybe also just like licking your wounds and fighting back who you are when you're not in the eye of, you know, the public and maybe, Feeling with your family and, and all these kind of things, taking care of yourself. And yes, as well as, you know, trying new things and also letting go of who you were is something that takes a while because, you know, we kind of adopt these identities and in the world of fashion and I think anything now, um, the, the image you have is a very strong one, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it has to be a very proactive thing if you want to drop it. You have to do it consciously, you know, and you have to be like, okay, people think that of me, but maybe I'm not that. And how do I come back in a way that's more fitting to who I feel that I am? And you know how I'm 47, our lives are getting longer and more full and there will be transformations. But how do you handle that is is a big question. It's funny because fashion is a place of transformation, isn't it? It's like a new season, a new fashion, a new something. But but it, for some reason, it's very difficult to move, you know, from your identity, I suppose, or whatever has been built uh, for you um, to something different. Right. And it's also about creating illusions. So, mm-hmm. you know, you created this persona, you know, now they talk about everyone needs a personal brand. Well, if yes. <laughs> you know, if your personal brand doesn't match your insides, it's never going to it's never going to be successful ultimately and you won't be happy. So, um Well, it's it's funny because now, you know, I live with a, an actor and I think some people are very good at acting at that persona, yeah. persona and in some ways it might be healthier than actually the type of Mm-hmm. you know, public person that I am, which I am very, very honest. And I think that's one of the reasons why people 
get, you know, I mean, my followers like me and they always say that to me, but it, it does cost a lot. Whereas I think it's not always a bad thing to put on a persona and that's just your public side. It doesn't mean that it's fake. It doesn't mean, but it's maybe a step away from yourself. Right. And um, it's interesting. I never thought that before, but now that I've seen it around with a few actors around me, and all that. And I see how they navigate the difference between their personal lives, the life that they put online and their characters that they play in movies. I'm like, there is something there. And in the future, it might be interesting to kind of be like, okay, this is the facets of me I'm going to show. Right. Those are the facets of me I'm not going to show. And, you know, the, and, and, and be a little more, you know, in your power with that without being dishonest. Right. Kind of wearing different hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's that's great. Great advice because that protects you a little bit too from absolutely, absolutely. Yes, that's that's exactly where I was going. It's like, and then you know things can happen to your persona, but your you know your real self. That's of course it's not it's not a brand, so it's changing. It's making mistakes. It's all these things. Then that can be something that's more private and protected, right? Absolutely. And learning along the way to say, you know, if they don't understand who I am, that's, that's not my business. You know, I'm not going to be with that. I'm going to be obsessed with, you know, what really makes me feel alive and, you know, all of those good things. And I think you're on this path of figuring that out. I hope you're going to continue in some way to do those illustrations though, but. Yes, I am. I am always. Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Good. So you got into this, not necessarily by accident, but you were obsessed with fashion in one way and you were one of the trailblazers as they called you, but just one of the original bloggers. So I'm curious. I know that in the past, the editors were the gatekeepers and they weren't necessarily thrilled to see the bloggers entering (laughs) the space. So do you Mm want to talk a little bit about that experience that it wasn't like you said, I want to sit front row at Chanel and all of these brands Mm -hmm. just fell into this. And then your experience with the fashion industry accepting you. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, I think it's it was an interesting time because I didn't really care. I only started caring. I mean, not that I wasn't hurt sometimes by being feeling rejected or, or things like that, which, you know, always happens when you're a newcomer and people that have worked for years in industry see you arrive and you know nothing and you break all the rules and it's very difficult for them, you know, and they have this kind of a set thing and it's, you know, and I can tell you that because it's very simple because I then became a fixture of the industry. So when new things came, I was upset as well, you know, and I was like, what's going on? And I caught myself early enough and I decided, okay, I don't think I want to stay in this environment. But I now, looking back, and that's the magic of maturity, it's like looking back, I'm like, oh, I get why they were so hard with us. We were disrupting the whole system that was keeping them, you know, together and, and, and working and all that. And I would have been probably would have taken me a few months or years to adjust to that new paradigm. So it was difficult at times, but it was more difficult to me once... I had made my place. It's more difficult to keep something you've created than to create it. 
And that was when also because it, that's when it becomes boring because you're just trying to stay level, right? And just trying to stay with your head on top. And I, and I don't, I didn't really like that feeling. Whereas the feeling of going up, challenging, growing, those were fascinating things and also provided me with fantastic stories to tell. And that also what was, you know, was what people, that really the, the true followers and fans, that's what they tell me about is those stories that I was telling. I think people from the outside, people from fashion talk about my photos and my illustrations a lot, but the people that are closest always, re- you know, related even more to the texts because I was very open about my failures, all the things that I did wrong. I didn't have any of the codes. I didn't know, you know, how to present myself really well. I, I really literally like came from a small, a small island in the Mediterranean. So I always was, was good with words and quite charming and all that. And I know that I'm co- conscious of that, but there were so many things that I didn't have. And that was really funny. There's so much comedy hidden, you know, in my struggles. Mm. Mm, wonderful. And so much has changed since you started as a style blogger. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the current state of the fashion industry? This is something that mom and I discuss daily. (laughs) I'm going to be very honest. I don't know what's going on in the fashion industry because I haven't looked at it as, I mean, I still read business of fashion when the story kind of pops and I'm interested. So I'm still a subscriber. I do love them and the work that they're doing. But yeah. apart from that, I, like everyone, don't look at magazines anymore. Okay. Um, I'm very sorry to say because it used to be such a big part of my life, but I've I've lost interest. Uh, and that happened a long time ago, I think, that something was lost um, mm-hmm. in, in some way. And then I don't look at fashion shows. Uh, that's never really been the center of my life. I, I mean, when I was young, I was looking at fashion TV and, and I was dreaming about the world of, of fashion. But after I've, I had been through it, uh, I'm still passionate about, you know, about style, about beauty. I, I love looking at people walking the streets of London and seeing what's in stores. But I have never been somebody who's a, a shopper. I don't shop a lot. And, you know, people always ask me, what's your favorite thing to take photos of? And I always said, it's a, somebody wearing jeans and a t-shirt. It's that's, you know, because it's all about how you wear it. And that's how street style started. It's not so much about the fashion industry. It was about people on the street wearing their clothes in a way that, you know, makes us feel inspired. So I don't know so much what's going on. I think that, I I imagine there is a lot of change constantly because I know that where us as the first bloggers, you know, had a kind of a solid place, um, you know, in in fashion, there's probably a million new influencers every week. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Um, Brands are talking to a completely different audience. uh, I suppose, you know, uh, the people who buy luxury now, I don't think are the same as before. I think people that have uh, the, the the means don't want to buy the cer- a certain type of fashion anymore. So it's a very interesting subject, uh, but I don't look at it very precisely. I just think, you know, it's yeah. it's it's a big industry, and you know, 
the 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 people who we think are buying the fa- the fashion you know are not are not the ones we think but i'll just say it like that because and- it's not in paris that the most you know bags are sold and and all the rest of it Right. And it's it's not the Parisian woman who buys the most bags at Hermes, and right. so these kind of dreams are great to keep an industry going, but uh, the reality is completely different. Right. Some of it doesn't have anything to do with style. Exactly. Exactly. There's a. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole market going, and there's right. a whole you know. It, it's very interesting, but I don't know enough, or I don't want to know enough. Right. Don't care so much uh, yes. about about all this, and I don't. I've lost a lot of illusions, if I can say, without yes. being too much of a Debbie Downer yes. about you know things like whether it's you know the the allure of luxury, you know, knowing that most of the things are made in the same you know factories that fast fashion or other things and you know across the world I lost a lot of illusions about sustainability as I was you know still in fashion and know a lot about greenwashing and all that so I mean not to go into a, too much of a depressing thing but you know I've I've lost some illusions as I was working in fashion sure absolutely we completely understand that. So let's pivot now and talk about the, what we're really excited about is your new skincare line, Doré. Will you tell us about it and how it was inspired by your favorite French pharmacy brands? Yes, of course. Uh, well, it's very interesting that after, uh, that would be too long. But we, yes, Emily and I, Emily has been my business partner for a very long time, going through all these fashion years with me. And uh, being a very, very good friend, and always I'm the one to talk to her about my vision of beauty on just a very, like, on a kind of friendly basis. Like, oh, I, I want to do this. I, I won't do that. This is what I've learned from my mom. This is what we do in France. And I have, and I think she gathered, which I didn't really, because I don't have so much, you know, I don't, I don't look at myself so much. She's like, oh, you you have a complete vision about beauty and about what you need and what women need. And basically said, we should start a brand like a, you know, skincare line. And in the beginning I was, I was, I was kind of doubtful because I'm one of these type of people that's like, does the world need another product (laughs) type of thing? Uh, But then she convinced me that there was really something very clear uh, to be said. And that, you know, the, the French pharmacy needed, brands to renew the offer um, in terms of cleanliness, in terms of simplicity, and in terms of the message. And so that's how uh, we decided uh, to start Doré. And it's, you know, very, it's a little bit what I was saying about the jean and t-shirt. It's this very, you know, high performance, very simple very targeted um, products that you can use every day that is not full of active ingredients and that's very good for sensitive skin. And that to me is, uh, you know, skin essentials. And that's always what I needed. Right. And your moisturizer, I loved uh, when I put it on before bed, I woke up in the morning and my face was still moisturized and I'm 60. So that doesn't happen a lot of time. Yes. No, I mean, we, we were, thank you very much. We worked really hard to get the perfect texture, 
um, to get, you know, the perfect level of moisturization and all these things. The, that's the thing with simplicity. If you want to get to perfection, it takes a lot of work. And so it was grueling, but I feel like we, we did it and we had a lot of you know, we gave ourselves a lot of rules and a lot of goals, uh, whether it's again, like, you know, the cleanliness of the product, uh, the fact that, you know, it was for, you know, morning and evening, that it had to be very versatile, that you could layer it, that all these things. So, um, yeah, so, so, so I think we, we did really well and people are, already you know buying it again so we know that in that in that way it's really a success that's wonderful it's kind of like when you make a simple garment it takes Mm -hmm. much more time and the quality needs to be a little better yes everything shows you know when it's exactly exactly yes that that, and and that we really you know saw that as we were working on it. it was like you know, if you're going to have one great moisturizer, that's going to be a classic that people will always get back to that. You know, basically the dream is to have everybody have one in their bathroom because it's the type of product you can share also with younger, you know, with, with men, with like all the people in your family. And so it needed to be really wonderful and also very good to, you know, people with sensitive skin. Mm. That's a huge undertaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Will you yes. tell us about French beauty practices compared to like American beauty practices, French beauty secrets that you can share with us? Well, I think compared to, uh, I mean, what I would say, and obviously, as you know, the world is kind of becoming one and things are changing on every side. But the classic beauty motto, I would say, is, you know, it's... um it's really about not hiding your skin. It's about showing it. So it has to be rather healthy and to, you know, put on less makeup. So, you know, just like, it's a little bit like the French style. It's not exactly perfect. Your red lipstick won't be perfectly contoured, but it's, you know, right at this place of charm. And I think for that, um, having good skin is a very important part. So French women, I think, are very diligent about protecting their skins, uh, about, you know, moisturizing, but I also don't want to do too much. Um, I don't think they would be very good with the 12 layering type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just never been in our culture, which is, I think, why the French pharmacy products were so, so successful in France. It's not so much about the frill and all the marketing and all that. It's really about efficacy. And that's also what we wanted to emulate, you know, with Doré. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there is so much more I could say about French beauty, but the the basics of it is that you in, in France, one of the things to remember is you never want to be seen as trying too hard. Mm-hmm. And so natural comes at the price of a lot of work in the background. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Will you tell us some of your favorite moments from your career? Ah, hmm. Well, my favorite moments are always very selfishly when I get to meet 
my readers. I just did a couple of days ago. So, uh, ago, I was walking the streets of London and a woman that was, you know, beautiful and like well, probably more interesting than me. And that's always what I find just came to see me and, and told me a few words about how it had impacted her life. And those are the moments that are very, very, very important to me, as well as moments of feeling that my work is getting better. So I know there's very boring answers, but no, not at I, feel, all. I feel very, very much like that. And then I think, you know, there's always the funny moments when, you know, sitting at front row next to Rihanna at a Dior <laughs> show, um, you know, all these things, I, I wouldn't definitely don't look down on them. I think it's wonderful to be, you know, have a sense of wonder and be like, oh my God, there's the, it's crazy. So I've, you know, I've met a lot of interesting, funny people, you know, I've had a, a run into um, Kim Kardashian and, and, and I, I was, I knew Kanye. And so he just had me like, had coffee with her and like you know just like things like that that are quite funny and that would never happen you know if I wasn't hadn't been in fashion I think you know I had a bit of an allure even when I had the CFDA award I had gone to Miami a few months before and when I put it on my Instagram and not other than Pharrell texted me on Instagram and was like hey you're in Miami come to my studio and I was like, what, what? <laughs> um, and of course went there and spent the most incredible, crazy, weird afternoon, you know, just like listening to beats with, um, Pharrell. And at that time, I didn't even know, does he want me to take photos? You know, it was in the very beginning. I mean, of course now it'd be like, look at me with Pharrell. But at that time it was still very, you know, private. So it's like, I don't know what, what he wants. And I don't, and then six months later, um, Diane von Furstenberg called me and, and told me that I was going to receive a CFD award with Scott, uh, the sartorialist. And I called Pharrell and I said, Hey, do you want to be the one who to present me uh, with the award? And he was like, sure. And he took a plane and came to New York. And I was like, I cannot, I look back and I'm like, this is crazy. And I, <laughs> and I think that I, even when I had it, I never understood the power that I had. And now I look back and I'm like, shit, I, I really should have been more <laughs> conscious. Nobody was there to tell me you could do much more because people want to be seen with you. I always, um, you know, or, 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 or it's not just being seen, but admire what you do or whatever sure, sure. it was that these people were thinking, you know, so many people just coming out of the woods and telling me about my work and all that. And I didn't really do anything with it, which is, which is really right. funny and shows how provincial I am in many ways. <laughs> no, no I mean, it's <laughs> a lovely quality. It, right. Exactly. You Yes. I mean, let's, I mean, oh, how can I say? <laughs> Those are nice words, you know, to, to say, oh, you, you know, you're so authentic. You're so, I, I think it's also interesting to be a little more savvy when you get into society. And I've seen people navigate it much better than I did. I mean, look, it's interesting because with me, my main goal in life is to be a writer. So all of these are wonderful experiences and stories to tell. So it's, I'm like a cat that falls on, on their feet, but. But if I, if my goal had been to become a powerful, uh, as powerful as Anna Wintour, I probably could have done it, but I didn't see all the possibilities and all the paths that were open in front of me. I was just struggling with my own personal stuff. Right. Exactly. 
For over a decade, ILO Studios has been a vital trade show servicing the Midwest apparel industry. In response to buyer requests, ILO Studios is introducing elevated apparel, trendy ready-to-wear and accessories to their trade show floor in April of 2023, creating a one-stop shopping destination and becoming the leading Midwest fashion hub. Want more information on exhibiting at ILO Studios or plan on attending their Chicago show this April 2nd to 4th? Visit their website at www.ilostudios.com and ILO is spelled I-L-O-E for more information. Okay, so I have a question going back to the changing from illustrator, photographer, you know, figuring out each next step. I kind of want to dive into that deeper to help people who life is long. And so Mm -hmm. we we probably will change or we'll reinvent ourselves or we'll have questions. We'll do something for a while and then think, hopefully tap in. Is this making me happy? Do I want to change? If so, what in the world should, should and could I do? So do you want to talk a little bit more about those in-between periods or how you went from one to the next? Yeah, this this morning I was writing uh, my newsletter and I was talking about these moments of starting again. You know, I, I was just in at Liberty in London buying mm-hmm. bubbles for my Christmas tree and thinking, oh my God, I'm 47. I'm still buying new bubbles because I'm starting <laughs> over, you know, <laughs> and, I have to, and I have to do that again. And... Uh, it's interesting. I think, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a character trait. And I think at some point you have to, you know, get to terms with, you know, starting over and, and, and finishing and starting and blah, blah, blah. But I think one of the things that's the most interesting is to be able when you are in a transition in life to understand and to differentiate between what's your wisdom What's your fear? Is your wisdom stopping you from, you know, starting this crazy business idea you have? Or is it your fear? Is it your fear stopping you from leaving that man? Or is it your wisdom? Um, And I think that's the one thing that's the most important. It's like, try to see what's talking inside of you. And don't ask too much advice around you because it's going to kind of lower, you know, your own voice. You won't be able to hear it because you'll hear so many voices around you. So I think those are important. And because, I mean, I don't think, I mean, it depends. Some people live in more fear than others and that's just the way they are. It's like, you know, some animals are more courageous and just go, you know, I have dogs and, you know, I can see the different personalities and I think it's fine to live according to your personality but I think it's always important to question these things. I love that so much. I love the thing, the idea of stopping and really thinking through, is this my fear that's stopping me or mm-hmm. wisdom saying it's probably not a good idea because yeah. I left a marriage and I moved to New York city. I started a business at 50 moved mm-hmm. to New York city, almost at uh, 60. And, you know, these decisions that you make, some of them, it take a long time. Some of them don't, but there are so many things that people don't do because of fear. Oh it yeah. really is so true. And if you know that about yourself, then maybe you can, you can change that. You know, when you mm-hmm. get that feeling again, you think, is this fear that I'm not going to succeed? And if it mm-hmm. is, well, who cares if I don't succeed? That's mm-hmm. not the point of life. 
you know, the point yes. of is exploring and, and living every day. And every day you can, is a new day to reinvent yourself. Absolutely. And also remember that the idea you have will change and that's fine. So just because you think, oh, I'm going to move to New York and I'll open that company and this is how it's going to do. And this is where I will be in five years. Right. It might be a completely different path that happens, but just the fact that you moved to New York and you did it will open, you know, pathways that are going to make your life more interesting. And, and so I think it's, you know, these big changes in life. It's difficult, but that's what makes the salt of life for people like me. Um, I do have friends and I, I don't know. Sometimes we talk about this and like, Oh, I wish I could do that, but I can't because of these, because of that. And the reasons are always, you know, multiple and, 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 and all that. And you can always find reasons not to yes. move forward. Yeah. And for some of those friends, I'm like, that's actually the right path for them because I don't know if they can take the intensity of changing because it's intense and exhausting. Uh, as I was just saying, just moving countries is exhausting. You have so much more to do and not just your work, just all the things that goes with it, for example. But to me, it's also culturally incredible. It's now, you know, I'm French, lived in the US and now live in London. And each time it's like a new layer of myself opens up, you know, whether it's with a sense of humor, with the history of a place, with the vibe of the people. So, I mean, it can be about traveling, but it can also be about starting businesses. It can be you, you just learning is, is what makes life fascinating. Yes. It's true. And we talked about this a little bit, but one of the reasons that you stepped back from the fashion industry was anxiety and depression. Like you mentioned, the panic attacks. So mm -hmm. will you talk to us about some tips for self-care and mindfulness and or help us to identify any signs that people should be looking for in case they're heading towards their breaking point? Of course, um, the number one sign is overwhelm. It's something that we don't often talk about, but that's the one that I failed to see. I was constantly overwhelmed and I couldn't understand because I didn't feel like I was producing so much in terms of my work, but I was always feeling like I had more to do. And actually it was just my brain that couldn't align with my to-do list basically. So that was one sign of depression. And then there are the classic, and I think this one, of course, if it's just on its own, maybe you're just not organized enough, but if it's kind of a mountain, you can't, you know, you can't get up on, I think it's important to observe. And then there are the, you know, more, like the ones you've probably heard about before, which is insomnia, obviously. And women um, around my age, we also have a lot of hormonal changes, but I actually think women all ages are, you know, should look more into their hormones and their, um, the way they feed themselves, what they eat. Uh, I think is really important. Um, so nutrition is really important and if, and symptoms of depression can be, um, definitely, uh, insomnia, definitely overwhelm. And then definitely it feels like a kind of a constant PMS, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there is more. But I think those few for me were, you know, the biggest ones. And then slowly falling to despair. Oh, one that's interesting, uh, since I've lived in LA and that's when I realized I was going through a depression. Magic thinking is something that I tell my friends to be very careful about. Turns out, I think that when we're very depressed and lost, we tend to look at 
you know, gurus and manifestation books and things like that. In a way, without the distance that's needed when we read these things, I'm not saying that those things are not good. I love astrology and things like that. I'm just saying that when we're depressed, they might take a place in our lives that's way too big. And that's what happened to me because I tend to have this kind of woo-woo spiritual part of me that, you know, just I dove into it when I was feeling terrible because I felt that, you know, it justified some of the things. And that was probably the biggest trap that I fell into. Um, And I'm not the only one. And I tend to, I want to tell people to be a little bit careful with that. You can't really manifest your life away. Mm-hmm. You have to get to work at some point. <laughs> right. right? Um, yeah. And so it doesn't mean that some of the tenets of things like manifestation, astrology, uh, whatever it is, you know, like uh, some parts of yoga, all these things are not good. But that I think is something that hasn't been really talked about um, as, you know, wellness uh, kind of, you know, kind of goes into the realm of woo-woo and all that. We talk about it like it's normal, but for some people who are more fragile, as I was, uh, these are territories that can be quite dangerous. Mm. Yeah. You can't just sit on your sofa in a dark room and, you know, dream these big things are going to happen and turn Mm. around you. Yeah. Yeah. Or think that, you know, you're getting messages from angels or things like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. These things, they're funny, but if you go, I mean, you probably know LA very well, but if you sure. go there and even in New York, I mean, it has started there. People talk about this, like it's so normal and they're not okay. even laughing about it. There is not a little chuckle at the end to say, Oh, we're talking about this, but we're not really serious. No, no, no. Something. And if you're yeah. fragile, it, it can take you, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We also have a celebrating life after 40 vertical because like I told you, I'm 60 now and we want to change the conversation around aging. And I think a lot of women especially are starting to do this. What are your thoughts on aging positively? It's always been very clear to me that I would um, because I have a mother who, um, you know, she became a therapist at 53. She oh. has a, a husband that's younger than her. She had a baby at 40. There's never been really this kind of, oh, life is over thing mm-hmm. for me. And I'm part of that generation that's just one generation after like women of your age uh, that are already aging wonderfully. Like I follow Demi Moore on Instagram and I'm like, Oh my God, I want to be like her. So you know, <laughs> I, have, I have, I have people. And I, so, so the conversation will keep changing. I think that uh, the generation of 60 to 70 now, they didn't really talk about menopause. They were just right. like, look, I'm aging beautifully. And that's great. And that was already a positive thing because I think generations before just disappeared right. and that wasn't a good thing. So, so, you know, I think every generation adds their, you know, how do you say their thing to the, 
yeah, they're still into the thing. And, and then, and, 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 and my generation, I think will be, yes, talking about hormones, about menopause, about all these things and removing the shame, if that's possible. Uh, and I think it is. And I think slowly it's going to become something really real. Um, what else can I say? That's, yeah, I think that's the main thing. And then I think surrounding ourselves, uh, just on a personal level, with people who celebrate that and that are not fearful. And again, we go come back to the subject of fear, don't we? It's like, yes, you know, people who are positive about, I mean, I'm going to talk about my father. My father always dreamed of being old. That was his dream in life. That was his goal. I'll be old and I'll, and I'll just stay home. I I don't know why he always that, that, and now he's, you know, looks, I think, older than what he is. (laughs) And and I think it's all in your head, right? He's just like, Maybe because he wanted to be old, he'll stay old for a long time and I'm perfectly fine with that. But like, I just, I just can see, whereas my mother is kind of vibrant, you know, travel. she just came back from Egypt and a lot of things. So yeah. I think it's a very interesting question of point of view and the type of uh, people we surround ourselves with, whether it's our friends, the things we read, but also in terms of, you know, seduction and all that. I remember uh, Diane von Furstenberg, who I interviewed for my podcast years ago, telling me, oh, after after a certain age, you just disappear from society. People don't look at you. And I haven't felt that yet. And I'm so, you know, I, I think Diane is a kind of a goddess. So I was like, I, I believe her if she says it, but I think she might have been wrong on that. I just maybe look in the eyes of people your age, you know, don't look in the eyes of people that are 20 years younger than you. They probably think you're a bit invisible, but there is probably a man around here that's 65 and that thinks you're, you know, or 60 or even, I mean, now it's even like younger men, like, you know, like fascinated by women, right? Um, so I think it's also where you look for the mirror in society. Uh, and I think that's important to say. Yes. I feel like it's also the way you view yourself. Exactly. A hundred percent. Diane is still very sexy, seductive. I know. That's why I didn't understand. I was like, everybody's (laughs) looking at you. She told me something like, um, at my age, I don't remember what it is, her, her quote, but you have to be a legend. But if you don't want to disappear from society, you have to be a legend. And I don't even, I think she could, I think, I think she is a legend, but if yeah. she could have been no one, she's just still stunning and everybody yeah. would have yes. wanted to be her, you yes. know? And yeah. hang on every word she says. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's, she's fascinating. And you have lived in such fabulous places, Paris, New York, London, LA. So will you tell us what you, what are your favorite things about living in each? Oh yeah. Um, New York is fantastic when you're 30 and starting and it's going, the doors are going to be wide open. I mean, that, that's how it was for me. Of course, I arrived with a little bit of something to offer because I had started my blog already, but there is this energy that's going to push you and just like kick you in the ass and it's hard. <laughs> but if you're ready, um, there is no better place. It's just like the perfect size that you can meet a ton of people in one day. It's not the same in London for sure. 
it's just the right amount of energy of youth of like you know this kind of wanting is there it's not an established i mean it is an established city but that's where everybody you know tries to start and so there is this wonderful energy when you want to start a new project i think it's a great place to be at la is an interesting city that's very difficult to describe definitely wouldn't recommend um compared to new york anyway starting something there because there is not the energy is completely different it's more how could i i think it would be too long i wrote about it and you know i would send you the the letter because it's a long winded answer i love la but i definitely felt like my energy was leaving me i had energy to go to yoga to go to the beach and all that but i had no energy for for writing i think maybe it was just too peaceful something something was there um and london is is kind of it's the beginning for me um uh, it is more of a living city unlike new york i think which at some point kind of kicks you out uh once you've done what you needed to do a lot of people move away which is also sad i think if i had lived all my life in new york i'd be like oh um you know people come and go and and all that i mean it's a certain type of people who come and go maybe more the international community which of course being french i was part of i know that our native new yorkers are just making their lives there but there is this part where people come and go la is different people stay usually and they build homes and families and and all that there uh london is a little bit in between so there is still this energy of the city it's huge so that's the big you know let down of the city just take forever I'm, i'm supposed to go to dinner tonight and i'm like oh god it's going to take forever <laughs> it's a little bit like like la uh but apart from that and and i'm only talking after a year and a half of being here it has a lot of wonderful things because it has a lot of qualities like right now i'm talking to you and i'm overlooking a park there's a lot of green places and so it's a city where you can see yourself live forever as well as you know build things and 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 go into business and and all the rest of it so i don't know if i answered any of your questions but yes but that yeah that's kind of how i feel about this city Yeah. Wonderful to get to live all these exciting places. So I mentioned earlier um, about the artwork that we have and the calendar and everything. Do you think, so you said you might continue doing that? Are you? Yeah, I'm still doing it. Well, you're catching me at an interesting moment in my career because I haven't posted much on social media recently. I've been kind of regrouping right. uh, on all my personal work because we've launched Dore and I wanted right. to focus on that. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm going to launch a podcast very soon. There's going to be things happening that you'll see coming. So I don't know when your podcast is coming out, but uh i'll be more present on social media and i've been i kept drawing and writing for all these years i've just been doing it more privately well good well we look forward to to that because uh, we just love your illustration say so much and your writing and now we love the skincare as well i know thank you that's so nice thank you so much so impact, when you meet people and they talk to you about the impact that you've had on their lives, I'm curious about what kind of impact you hope to leave. I think that any artist, um, if I can call myself that, yes, it's about a vision of life 
and opening people to that vision of life. And if they want to kind of borrow a little bit of that vision, then you've done your work. So that's all. Um, that's the impact that I'd love to have. If people feel like that brought a little bit of sense, made sense of things, a little bit of poetry, a little bit of a sense of wonder and a lot of humor, because I think that's one of the things that people also kind of like about what I do is this sense of self-deprecation, which is also why I, I love London, by the way, because people mm-hmm. are very self-deprecating here. Yes. Um, if I can bring that, it's about a feeling that you give to people. And if I can do that, that's my mission right there and the impact that I'd love to have on on people's lives. I suppose I'm thinking as I'm talking, but yeah, that would be that, a sense of beauty, a sense of, mm-hmm. you know, of, of, of being a friend, of mm-hmm. being like someone, because I myself read and listen to podcasts a lot and I'm a... I'm kind of a loner. I have a high social life, but just in very short kind of moments. And I know very well that writers are a weird kind of best friend, you know, that open you up, that make you think that all that. So if I could be that, um, I think that's the you know most important thing to me. That's it lovely. is lovely. So what inspires you? Uh I mean, I'm very like, you know, like a, a usual narcissistic, <laughs> just my life, <laughs> my own life, uh, the struggles that I go through, my friends' stories and, and all these things. I'm very passionate about about life. I mean, it sounds so trite, but like, it's very true. I think there is nothing more wonderful than, you know, building a life and every day is, is inspiring. Absolutely. I could not agree more. So mm-hmm. tell us what's next for you and for Dore. Yes. Well, Dore, um, our goal is to become a real classic in everyone's bathroom. So I think there's a lot of work to, you know, get more known and we're going to release new products and, you know, just we we truly want it to be a brand that people fall in love with and they share and that's kind of the goal and so how to create that environment and how to grow that in a way that's you know very mindful is where we're going mm-hmm. um and as for me uh i want to write more books mm-hmm. and keep you know keep on dreaming that sounds wonderful. That, I forgot we have a book of hers too. Does sound wonderful. <laughs> well, Garrels, thank you so much for coming on the South of Binds' podcast. We love speaking with you today. It was such a pleasure. So where are your accents from? Oh gosh, I know. We're from <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> I love it. It's so, so beautiful. It, it took me very long to to understand that there were, I mean, to hear accents in America, like, you know, in the American language. Yeah. And now I just, I'm, I love it so much. It's beautiful. It's very light. It's just a touch. I mean, to me, I'm French. So. Yes, yes, yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much to oh, both of you. Of course. Thank you, Garance. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So 
Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.